Welcome to our new episode. Today, as promised, we're going to talk about none other than the gaming history of Resident Evil. Resident Evil 2 is going to be released very, very soon. But before that happens, if you don't know anything about Resident Evil, if you are new to the series, this is where you need to be, where you can get the latest information about the game, catch up at least, and then see what's new and go play the game. Before we continue, as you can see, the name of the podcast has changed yet again. There's a reason for it. If you remember, um, I used to do shows based on, you know, um, my voice and, you know, stuff like that. But I didn't used to, you know, do podcasts about news and stuff. Now that I've been doing it, now that people are actually liking it and it's growing, I thought to myself that, well, it's better if I actually named it something reflecting that instead of just the one thing that I used to do. And I hope that you like the name Nerd Factory. Nothing really changes about the podcast. The intro remains the same. The uh, picture even was updated and upgraded <laughs> in a huge way. And you can actually see it on Twitter. And uh, well, here we are. Thank you guys for joining and let's talk about Resident Evil. Resident Evil was at first brought to PlayStation 1, for those of you who don't know. Resident Evil 1 was began development in 1993 when Tokoro Fujiwara wanted to make it as a remake of his own game, which was in 1989 called Sweet Home and the project was also led by Shinji Mikami. But in the late 1994, marketing executives, they were setting up to bring the game to the West. And when they were doing that, they said that, well, we need a name for it. As they were searching and thinking about it, they came up with a name that was held in by a vote, and they came up with the name Resident Evil. Resident Evil is known as Resident Evil in the West, however, it is known as Biohazard in the East, basically in Japan and most Asian markets. Now, when Resident Evil came, it was a surprise to many fans. It was one of the first survival horror games, probably, again, one of the first to use zombies, and probably the most successful one at the time. When Resident Evil came, it was something completely new. Nobody had played this kind of game. Not only was the gameplay very new and very different than everything else that had been done before, but at the same time, the story was intriguing. The story was about a group of agents called the, well, uh, Star Agents, and these agents were going to the outskirts of Raccoon City, where something had happened. They thought there were some bizarre murders there. So when they go to the outskirts, uh, they hear that, well, the alpha team of the star, 
are destroyed and they need to help them, the beta goes after them and they understand that well, something fishy is going on and then they go into the house. Of course Resident Evil story doesn't end there. Resident Evil story is far bigger than this, so far at least, and it varies and branches out to many, many other characters inside this fantastic and huge series. In Resident Evil 1, you can of course choose between 4 characters who to control and your endings of course vary, but almost all ramifications remain the same. Of all of them, Chris Redfield does survive the house, Bill Valentine does so as well, but we don't know that until later in another game, and many others. Albert Wesker, by the way, is the leader of the star team, and believe it or not, Albert Wesker betrays him. Albert Wesker was actually the, um, basically the enemy Resident Evil, the main villain for a long time. Unfortunately, in Resident Evil 5, we finally come up to help with this dude and to see how powerful he is and what he's capable of. When they get there, they understand that the house is being controlled by some corporation, none other than Umbrella Corporation, and that they were using some virus called the T virus, which was totally controlled, and basically they were turning people like this. stuck in the house, they had no choice but to fight a creature called Tiger, a giant human super soldier that was supposed to kill them and test the powers of the virus. As you play through the game and, well, you see the environments around you, you're finally going to fight none other than Tyrant, and when you do, one of the four endings will be shown to you. The best ending of the game has Chris and Jill escaping from the mansion with a third member. And this depends on, well, basically is it Rebecca or Barry, which depends on who, you're, who you were playing as. If you were playing as Chris, you get Rebecca, and if you were playing as Jill, you get Barry. And after you destroy the tyrant, you also destroy the mansion. So after doing all of that, uh, basically, you first come face to face with what the hell this virus is. This was the first game in the series, and the first game has a lot of um, similarities with the second game, as for those of you who might be thinking, like, like, is it going to be different, the remake? No. The first game had a lot of focus on basically um, exploring a very certain camera angle and basically limiting yourself in a fight. You didn't have as much ammo and weapon as possible and you had to really think hard before you did anything. When it came to riddles and stuff like that, you for example had to find a special key for that, for that room. So now you had to go and find that key. Most of the zombies in the game wouldn't even rush you, but still you should have been careful. You could shoot them, you could try, but they won't die and you would have lost an ammo. At the same time, you could give your chance, give your own self a chance to run as fast as possible from them or risk it when you're running and think that maybe he'll grab you. The game, of course, was really, really well received. In fact, it went on to garner Game of the Year and 
basically become one of the greatest horror games of all time by many, many publications. The gameplay wasn't that difficult, the gameplay was actually something completely new. So for those of you who are wondering if it will be difficult for you to get grasp it, no. It's actually much more fun doing it this way than the new way, which we'll get to that later on. Now we come to Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2 was directed not by Shinji Mikami, but rather Hideki Kamiya. Basically, they had a disagreement. They had a disagreement about what to do, where to take the story. So Shinji Mikami went on his own way and he did not direct Resident Evil 2. However, some can say this was a blessing because Resident Evil 2 was better received than even Resident Evil 1. Resident Evil 2, in terms of gameplay, had two characters. One, our very own Leon S. Kennedy, and two, Claire Redfield. Now, to many of you might be thinking, who the hell is Claire Redfield? Claire Redfield was actually the sister to Chris Redfield, who you played as in the first game. Now, this game happened two months after the events of the first game, and basically Raccoon City has, had been uh, contaminated by the T-Virus, so most of the city was now, well, a virus, you know, the zombies. They were now the zombies that you played as in the first game. Now, I'm not going to spoil the second game in any way, because, you know, you're going to be playing it. However, I'm going to tell you some things that might actually help you um, understand um, a little bit, the story a little bit better. Now, basically, um, the story is not about only, you know, the Raccoon City, but they're trying to make their way to the police department, and they also discover that everyone has been killed, Chris has left to, you know, look for Umbrella in Europe, and they're trying to find survivors. And they meet a very small kid called Sherry Birkin, who is also on the run from another creature. And this is the first time ever that you meet Ada Wong, another character that you can play as. Basically, you play as Ada Wong and Leon S. Kennedy. And when you meet Ada Wong, she's looking for her boyfriend, John, who is an Umbrella researcher. In this game, we're also introduced to another um, virus called G-Virus, and basically that um, there is a creature also called G, which was actually from this G-Virus. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything else from the game, but safe to tell you that you know, the game is fantastic. In fact, the game had so many, many ports. The game even had a port for Dreamcast that included a peripheral that would show you the status of your character. At the same time, the game was ported to Nintendo 64, which actually was received even better than the original PC version or the PlayStation version. But of course, it was subsequently, um, subsequently, sorry, <laughs> word lost me there, but it was subsequently released to Dreamcast and GameCube, and those were not received as well. However, the game was really, really praised for its mysterious gameplay that you have to, you know, think about stuff before doing anything. It was really praised for its atmosphere, for um, the shooting style, camera, 
the really, you know, uh, scary and creepy atmosphere and so many easter eggs and things that you could unlock. One of which was actually really famous. It was the Tofu guy. You could actually unlock this character and you could play the whole game as a Tofu. <laughs> it was actually really funny and many people loved it. Now, Resident Evil 2 is now, of course, um, remade and it is said that you know it is just as good as the old one and some people are saying it's even better so far it has a 91 percent score which is even higher than the original which means that it is definitely worth your time however i'm not going to spoil anything more about it so instead we'll be moving to resident evil 3 nemesis resident evil 3 nemesis again was survival horror released on none other than PlayStation 1. PlayStation 1 actually had a lot of great games. This one was directed by Kazuhiro Aoyama. Not the Aoyama we know from My Hero. <laughs> Shinji Mikami also here was a producer, so he did not have a director role, but more of a producer role. Now, this game was also called Nemesis. Nemesis was the enemy in the game, and he was a very powerful one and creepy one at that. This happened 24 hours before the events of Resident Evil 2, and this time we play as Jill Valentine as she's trying to escape from Raccoon City. In the game, you are met by new characters that, you know, they will help you, and these uh, people will try to, you know, be with you. And the funny thing is that this new people that you meet, who I'm not going to spoil here, they actually try to, you know, be your friend and they do whatever they can to help you and, well, it gets a little bit sad. It does. However, not as sad as another game in the series that we are going to talk about later. However, Resident Evil 3 was not as well received as the other games because, mainly, it used almost the same gameplay. The story was actually really good. But it was missing a little bit of a world building that we needed. It helped in many places, by the way. Jill actually, you know, is a really cool character. But, you know, at some points, the game just got really freaky. Like, using a railgun or rocket launcher. It, it was really weird at some points. But still, it was a really fun game. And basically, something happens at the end of the game that... I'm not going to spoil for you, but it truly was a thing to see and basically we, we're going to see the remake of this game very soon as well, so not going to spoil it. However, here we go to Resident Evil 4, another game in the series that was absolutely fantastic and believe it or not, it was so damn popular that it got 96 or 97 on Metacritic and game rankings, and it was considered all the best game ever. However, before we get to that, let's talk about everything else that were released before Resident Evil 4. Before Resident Evil 4, we had Resident Evil Survivor, Resident Evil Code Veronica, Resident Evil um, Gaiden, and Resident Evil Survivor 2, again, Code Veronica. These games were developed, again, by none other than Capcom. However, 
they were not exactly as mainstream in the story as the other ones. In fact, they were mostly like, you know, experiments for many of them. Resident Evil Survivor was the first spin-off to the whole series and the fourth game that came out. The game had a major difference. Instead of being a third-person shooter, it became a first-person shooter and they they had, you know, this gun that you could use with the games, like, you know, a peripheral that you could use to, you know, shoot people, you know, with it and stuff like that. Um however, the gameplay was severely different. Instead of being an absolute survivor horror, it was a shooter game. So it was obvious that the game never received great reception at all. And it was truly destroyed by many, many critics saying that why the hell did they even change Resident Evil? This was one of the first steps that the series took in becoming a completely different game moving forward. Then we had, like I said, Resident Evil Code Veronica. This one, thank God, was actually a survival horror. It took place three months after Resident Evil 2 and basically after Resident Evil 3 as well. However, when you, you know, played the game, you could play as Claire Redfield, which was the first time ever. It was actually something really, really cool. But, however, one half of the game you played as Claire, the other half you played as Chris, a character that was sorely missed after Resident Evil 1. The game was supposed to, you know, was designed to show that Claire was tougher than she was in Resident Evil 2. However, even though she looked tougher, she still didn't look as amazing as possible. It gave her a very sense of vulnerability, and that was why many people loved the game. The game was different. The game wasn't exactly what um, we thought it would be, but it proved to be very, very powerful. Claire Redfield was not as strong as we expected her to be, but her journey through all of that mimicked every experience that we had. It developed a really beautiful connection between the player and the character, which meant that basically you could understand her far better than any other character in the series so far. Even though Leon Kennedy was a very popular character alongside Ada Wong and Chris, Claire became much more popular than them, mainly because, you know, she was now a powerful character who could take care of herself. Of course, during the game, um, Chris, you know, Chris goes on to uh, look on an island for Claire, and when, she le when he learns that she actually left because of, you know, Leon, when Leon leaves him a message and he gets that message, he comes across none other than Albert Wesker, who, by the way, um, was secretly a double agent, like I said, who, I think it's too soon to say this now, but we'll say it anyway, who actually made them go into the mansion. We learn later on that he's working with none other than a guy called Spencer, the creator of the Umbrella Corpse and also the virus. We hear that, we understand basically Albert faked the whole incident at the mansion and um, he knew what was going to happen so he sent them there, he acted like nothing was going on and there's a reason why he's wearing sunglasses. Basically, if I were to tell you guys, there's a really, really good reason that 
Wesker is wearing those glasses, I will tell you guys as we move on, because it has no bearing on the Resident Evil 2 story, but it's a little bit too soon. Now, as they move on, they're seeking a sample of T. Veronica virus. As you can see, you know, the game at this point doesn't have, a, doesn't have much imagination when it comes to the name of these viruses. T, G, T virus, G virus, G Veronica virus, things like that. So T. Veronica virus, and when Chris finally learns where Claire is, Wesker discovers that Alexia is alive and they ca that she carries what he needs. The two find their way to Antarctica, where they need to find Alexia, and Chris frees Claire and tries to, you know, find Steve. After that, they finally find out that they ha that he has been experimented and injected with the T Veronica virus. He mutates. Steve tries to kill Claire. He fails, obviously, but before he dies, he confesses his love for her. This game was actually very beautiful. To those of you who have not played the game, like I said, this game was something new, something that experimented in a huge way. Claire was trying to be independent, was trying to be stronger. Steve was a character that, at first, you began to hate him, actually, because you are like, who is this guy? He's so stupid. And you keep seeing that Steve is not only incapable of being a good shooter, he's more of a, you know, stupid guy. I mean, he's always there. He's, he doesn't know what to do. He, you want to kill the guy. He's so stupid. And yet, it seems that maybe he actually likes Claire. But not in the way that you would think, like, you know, lovey-dovey. More like, you know, we know that you like her, but, you know, back off. When he finally turns into the muta mutated thing, he attacks Claire and is almost successful in killing her, but he stops. Something that we never thought was possible is finally confirmed in this game, that people infected can actually regain control if so they wish or have the will. So Steve gains control again and, well, he, he's a actually very gross monster. Do a search on this on YouTube, you'll see how gross he looks. But he finally confesses his love to Claire, and to be honest, the player will feel really, really sad. I mean, this, this game was so beautiful because they actually have a beautiful love story. And not only did it develop this relationship with Steve in a weird way, but fun way, but at the same time, you had this relationship with Claire that she's stronger, she's better because of us. And by God, it was some game. So... Um, he dies, and Chris and Wesker confront Alexia, and in the fight, Wesker escapes and manages to retrieve Steve's dead body. So that was for further experimentation, which Claire obviously doesn't like. Chris manages to defeat Alexia and escapes with Claire before that facility self-destructs. So the story moved on really well in um, Code Veronica in many, many ways. We were told about many new stuff, and we're finally getting to know Wesker in a much better light, like understanding who the hell he is. However, the game that came next was another fluke that we're not even going to talk about much, but we're going to just, just say what it was. The game next one that came was Resident Evil Gaiden, or Biohazard Gaiden, as it was known in Japan. The game was an action-adventure game that... Um, 
instead of, you know, shooting mechanics and stuff like that, had something like, you know, if you had played Undertale, you would know what the mechanics were when you attacked an enemy. There was this little bar and something that moved between it until, you know, you pressed it and you made damage. Something like that. The game was about Leon Kennedy. However, the game was never even well received and again was a spin-off. Then we came to none other than Resident Evil Survivor 2 Code Veronica. Now when this game was released, it confused some people as to, well, we already knew Code Veronica. Is this basically a sequel to Code Veronica or a sequel to Survivor? A game that basically wasn't even well received when it came. However, they all came out and said that, no, no, no. This is a sequel to the Survivor, the first one. So it's a little bit different. And you know, people were obviously not in a good mood when they understood this is a sequel to that game instead of Code Veronica. However, the game is adapted from Resident Evil Code Veronica, features enemies, characters from that, and also characters and enemies from Resident Evil 2 and 3. So when the game was released, um, people were obviously not that happy that, you know, they were making another game like this, so it, it was not, you know, uh, um, <clears throat> received in a good light, because basically we were told that this is a retelling of events of Code Veronica, however, we were told that this is a dream that Claire Redfield had, that she never encountered the enemy from Resident Evil 3, or stuff like that, and, <clears throat> well, the game was never well received. It was like, what? Then we came to Resident Evil being remade for the GameCube. The game was actually so popular that they tried to remake it again, um, basically for GameCube, and when they did release it for GameCube, it was really, really well received. In fact, it was given a 91 and people loved it. Now, when it was um, remade, there were many things added, like new puzzles, new Easter eggs, the whole mansion was better made. But this was not the only um, remake. After a while, in 2015, a high-definition version of it was released that, again, was super popular and because it retained the same gameplay as the first one. And the funny thing was... That this game was actually so well made that it led the path for Resident Evil Remake 2. Resident Evil 2 the remake. Now, even you know, the version that was released for PS3, PS4, things like that, they also had upgraded graphics, which was new. And you could also use the model characters from Resident Evil 5. Because Chris Redfield was in this game, so why not use the character model from Resident Evil 5. Which prompted many people to play through the game again simply because of that. Then, of course, we had none other than Resident Evil Zero coming out. Resident Evil Zero, as the name implies, was before Resident Evil 1. The game basically um, tries to tell the story of Rebecca Chambers and a criminal by the name of Billy Cohen. This is another story that takes place with the, you know, basically, um, star... Uh, stars group and how some events happened now when the game came you know the funny thing about this game is that this game was actually so 
so damn cool that uh, first of all you had an AI controlled partner which was none other than um, the criminal dude but at the same time the story and where it took place that was that was actually unique that was perhaps the first time that Resident Evil not the first time but basically another time that Resident Evil took charge of what the game was supposed to be and what it could be so then they move on to move the story into none other than a train actually a train that goes on to connect itself to Resident Evil 1 where we also know about it but you know we never see what the hell happened to them now we get to see it without even spoiling the events it's safe to say that you know everything about this was really really weird and you get to understand more and more about Raccoon City what the hell happened to Raccoon City and the reports before even Resident Evil 1 so you get to know a lot of exposition in terms of story however um you as a player you know that Albert Wesker was part of this but you know the characters they don't know and as you keep playing through the game, you get to see so many different enemies and stuff like that, that were really, really creepy. Um, such as, you know, the Leech Queen or, you know, um, Leech Dude, things like that. You get to see some really stu creepy stuff. You even get to see Tyrant again, that was seen in Resident Evil 1. But, however, you know... Um, 